Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. There's a lot to talk about today, April the 14th, one day before the dreaded tax filing deadline of April 15th. The good news is, if you're a procrastinator like I have been, you have until Monday to file or to file for an extension because of the Good Friday Easter holiday. There's a lot in the news today, and it's not looking good for gropey, mopey, dopey, sleepy, creepy, touchy, feely, hair-sniffing, pervert Joe Biden, your President of the United States of America. Let me read just some of the headlines that are out there this morning. Biden approval rating hits an all-time low of 33%. That means a full two-thirds of the United States population does not approve of the job gropey Joe Biden is doing. Next headline, majorities see Biden's latest border orders as a huge mistake. Next, Biden gets personal with attacks on Putin. You see, when you can't win on substance, you resort to petty name-calling. And that's what your groper-in-chief is doing right now. Next, Joe Biden's speech gets interrupted in a hysterical way as a bird craps on his lapel in the middle of a speech. Bird just took a dump right there on Joe Biden. And that's what most Americans wish we could do. Just take a crap right on his feeble face. The next headline, Biden administration unveils steps to boost equity in government. Trust me, equity in government would mean laying off tens of thousands of minority workers. Because every government office I walk into, there's way, way more than 13% black staff members. The next headline, Biden has only done one media interview thus far in the year 2022. Just one. Next headline, Home Depot founder says Biden is worse than Jimmy Carter. It's pretty bad when you've got the real orange man, the guy in founding Home Depot bashing Joe Biden. I'm going to skip this next one because it's not Biden related, but I am going to come back to it. All right, White House and Biden blame everything but government spending for inflation, is the next one. The next one says what Biden's new bill means for retirees. I'll bet it's not good news. The next article says Biden's approval falls to new low amid economic pessimism and inflation woes, a CNBC survey finds. The next article, Thinking Small. Biden scrounges for ways to break through. The next article on MSN.com. Biden needs to keep his mouth shut. Well, he's doing a pretty good job of that with only one interview thus far this year. Next, Biden's Title 42 revocation borders on political malpractice. Next, Biden's blunt comments on Ukraine can veer from U.S. policy. That's because whenever Biden goes off cue card, off script, off teleprompter, he says really stupid stuff. And then the White House press corps has to go back and clean up his mess because the man is a clown. He doesn't deserve to be the president. Next, from the memo, Democrats face nightmare scenario, biblical disaster. Next, Obama on issues that will impact the midterm elections. Who cares what Obama says? I don't. 
Next, Biden wants to let people buy blended gasoline to lower uh, prices. There's just one big problem. It won't. Next, the majority of voters in the United States oppose the White House move on Title 42. You know, releasing millions of immigrants, illegal aliens into the U.S. The next article, the disturbing misuse of the Department of Justice by the Biden White House continues. Next, Democrats intensify fight against Biden's immigration policy. Next, a reporter asks Jen Pisaki if the Democratic base will object to saving on gas with Biden's policy that is very similar to Donald Trump's. And then Democrat Representative Ruben Gallego tears into Nancy Pelosi-linked PAC. See, it's all negative. All negative. Border Patrol stops releasing migrants to the town that called in Governor Abbott buses to send illegal immigrants to D.C. It's all a mess, folks. But before I get into all of that, today's lead story will be Associated Press. Emily Wagster Pettish wrote yesterday at 6.47 p.m., Mississippi Governor again proclaims Confederate Heritage Month. Good for you, Governor Tate Reeves. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves is defending his decision to name April as Confederate Heritage Month nearly two years after he signed a law retiring the last state flag in the U.S. that featured a Confederate battle emblem. Happy Confederate Heritage Month, everybody. The Republican governor signed a proclamation without any fanfare on Friday. It does not mention slavery. Why should it? The defense of which Mississippi's stated reason for trying to secede from the U.S. But that was 1862. That was longer, even before then. We're not talking about the past. That's all certain minorities want to do is bring up slavery. Slavery was not the only reason behind the Civil War. There was this little thing known as a battle over states' rights. That was the catalyst. In response to a question at a news conference on Wednesday, Governor Tate Reeves said he issued a Confederate Heritage Month proclamation in the same manner and fashion that five governors that came before me, both Republicans and Democrats alike, for over 30 years have done, and we did it again this year. Didn't think this was the year to stop doing it. Four governors before Reeves, not five, issued Confederate Heritage Month proclamations. By state law, Mississippi also has a Confederate Heritage Day in April. It's a state holiday for employees. Good for you guys, Mississippi. Good for you guys. Mississippi has taken steps in recent years to distance itself from symbols of the Confederacy. They included removing some monuments, you know, pieces of art. But that's okay, as long as it's not removing a Malcolm X or a George Floyd statue. Heaven forbid! We remove a criminal in statue form from the public square. Critics claim that those images glorify racism in a state where nearly 40% of the residents are black. Those critics are idiots. It's not glorifying racism. It's glorifying the military strength and all of the attributes of a military leader that were positive. In June of 2020, Mississippi state legislators voted with some bipartisan support to retire the Mississippi flag because it had a little bit of Confederacy on it. The new flag that was approved in November is much more snowflakey and it features a magnolia. After all, nothing speaks 
Southern pride like a little flower on your flag. Governor's office did not announce his signing of the latest Confederate Heritage Month proclamation. The Mississippi Free Press was the first to report that a Sons of Confederate Veterans chapter on Monday had a post on social media which showed the proclamation. Reeves has issued similar proclamations each year since becoming governor in January of 2020. The proclamation says, quote, We honor all who lost their lives in this war, and it is important for all Americans to reflect upon our nation's past, to gain insight from our mistakes and successes, and to come to a full understanding that the lessons learned yesterday and today will carry us through tomorrow if we carefully and earnestly strive to understand our heritage and our opportunities which lie before us. Wow, those are pretty profound words coming from the Mississippi State Governor. Let me repeat them because they are very important words and I'll break it down for you. Reeves' proclamation says, quote, we honor all who lost their lives in this war. So we're honoring everyone who felt so much for their beliefs that they lost their lives to battle for their beliefs. And we honor them as we should. We should honor everyone who lost their lives in a war, fighting for what they believe in. It goes on to say, it is important for all Americans to reflect upon our nation's past. And it is. Not to whitewash our past, not to sweep it under the rug, but to look at the entirety of our history and learn from it. It's important for all Americans to reflect upon our nation's past. And then he says, to gain insight from our mistakes and our successes. You should gain insight from the mistakes you've made. It keeps you from making them again. You should also reflect on your successes and say, hey, here's something we did right. Let's build upon that. And to come to a full understanding that the lessons learned yesterday and today will carry us through tomorrow. That's right. A full understanding that the lessons we learned yesterday and the lessons we will learn today will carry us through tomorrow if we carefully and earnestly, which means honestly, strive to understand our heritage, to strive to understand our opportunities which lie before us. Very profound words from Tate Reeves. But of course, the race-baiting crowd, those who see everything through race-colored glasses, they will bash this speech as saying somehow Tate Reeves wants to bring back slavery. He does not want to do any such thing. He wants us all to reflect on the mistakes of the past, as well as the successes of the past, and move forward with the full understanding and appreciation for what happened in the past. And of course, the race baiter who wrote the article has to quote Mississippi's secession ordinance way back in 1861 when slavery was still legal, which said, our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery the greatest material interest in the world. It was wrong then. Slavery was wrong. When slavery ended, we should have given each and every slave the opportunity to go back to Africa, where they came from, with the full knowledge that they were far better off as far as having decades of growth, of education, of ability to learn and to grow in their own humanity. They could go back to the savage lands from which they came better people than when they left. They could have gone back and conquered Africa with the knowledge, the skills, the tools, 
and the things they learned while they were here. But instead, they chose to stay. Instead, they chose to stay and spend the next hundred plus years begging for handouts. So happy Confederate Heritage Month to the United States of America and to those in Mississippi. And thank God we have a First Amendment to the United States Constitution, which protects what I just said, my right to freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of the press, freedom to voice my opinion. You don't have to like it. I apologize if you're offended, but I retract nothing. This is the Truth Hurts program, where we tell it like it is. We'll be right back. I want to dig a little bit further into the Biden approval rating, which hit an all-time low of 33%. That means only one-third of Americans, technically a little less than one-third, approve of the way Joe Biden is mishandling his job as the president. 33% of the respondents were asked if they approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president. 33% of respondents said they approved. 54% expressed disapproval. 13% said they were either too stupid because they didn't know, or they had no opinion. In other words, those 13% were most likely people who just can't stand to admit that they were wrong for supporting Ropey Joe Biden. They can't stand the thought that the guy they voted for is mucking up this country as bad as he is, so they simply say they have no opinion. Or maybe they are really ignorant and they just don't know. Biden's approval rating previously hit 33% once on January 12th of this year. His disapproval rating at that time was only 53%, not 54%. But well over half of the nation's entire population disapproves of what Joe Biden is doing to our nation. This Quinnipiac poll surveyed 1,412 U.S. adults between the time period of April 7th and 11th with an error margin of 2.6%. So his actual approval rating could be, with that 2.6% error margin, below 31%. Just saying. This is the Truth Hurts program. Have you heard the name Patrick Leoya? Well, you probably will. He's the 13% hyphenated American minority black man who refused to obey the lawful commands of a police officer who stopped him. And with fleeing, fighting, resisting, ended up getting his ass shot and killed. Grand Rapids police released a video showing footage of a fatal shooting of a thug criminal who was allegedly face down on the ground and shot in the back of the head by an officer. The video is a collection of dash cam footage, body cam footage, some home security camera footage, and a cell phone video. It depicts an unnamed police officer on April 4th pulling over Patrick Leoya, L-Y-O-Y-A, and a passenger for a violation, a license plate that doesn't match the car that it is attached to, which usually, 99 out of 100 times, means the car is stolen. They just grab the license plate from some other car in a parking lot and put it on the stolen car the criminal thugs were driving. This thug gets out of the car, the officer gets out of his unit and tells Mr. Leoya to get back in the car. The officer asks for his driver's license and proceeds to ask if Leoya speaks English. Instead of following the lawful orders of the cop, Leoya gets out of the car. The officer says, get back. 
He appears then to run around the car, Leoya does. The officer chases him and tackles him to the ground on the front lawn of a house. Now, why are you running away from a cop unless you're a criminal, unless you're a thug, unless you are breaking the law? You're automatically breaking it now because you refuse to follow the lawful orders of the police. They struggle. The officer can be heard telling Leoya to stop, let go of my taser. And after a couple of moments, the officer is on top of Leoya, who is face down on the ground, yelling for this animal thug criminal to let go of the taser. Why? Because the officer was now in fear for his own personal safety. This thug criminal animal has his hand on one of the officer's weapons that he will likely use against the officer. Fearing for his life, fearing for his safety, the police officer shoots Leoya, a man from the Congo, a 26-year-old refugee. The police officer's name has not yet been released. At Wednesday's news conference, city manager Mark Washington said the city is, quote, determined to get this right. Our community deserves answers, unquote. Of course, hundreds of protesters, unemployed, government-sucking welfare recipients, have since swarmed the streets, calling for justice for Leoya. Tuesday evening, more than 100 people marched to city commission to a meeting to demand action from city officials citing a police brutality history in the city. And of course, they say, we going on three years. We have went to every single commission meeting, protested, marched, and did petitions, telling these city officials numerous times, the Grand Rapids Police Department is on a power trip. And if they don't start holding them accountable, another black person was gonna be killed at the hands of the police. One public commenter, who identified herself as Chelsea, said that during a city commission meeting. Public commenters spoke for three and a half hours on Tuesday, and not one of them said, hey, if this thug criminal animal had first not stolen the car, secondly, not put the wrong license plate on a car, third, obeyed the lawful orders of a police officer and not resisted, fled, grabbed for an officer's weapon, this criminal thug animal 13% double A hyphenated minority would still be alive. Nope. Three and a half hours. And all you heard was, they racist, they racist, they kill an innocent black man. Wrong. They're not racist. They're not racist. They didn't kill an innocent black man. They killed a thug criminal who was trying to use a police officer's weapon against the police officer. Kent County Prosecutor Chris Baker has not brought any charges yet against the officer. The officer still not identified. Well, see, it's a problem when you don't identify the officer who kills a black man. But if you remember, it was a full year after the January 6th riots at the Capitol before the Capitol Cowardly Police Department finally released the name of the black police lieutenant who shot and murdered in cold blood an unarmed Ashley Babbitt who was simply walking through the capital of the United States of America. Double standard much? Oh yeah. GRPD, the Grand Rapid Police Department, says the officer is on administrative leave. Becker initially was against the release of the footage, saying it could impede the ongoing Michigan State Police investigation of the shooting. But of course, they went and hired the race baiter, Ben Crump, a so-called civil rights attorney who previously represented the families of George Floyd, the criminal thug animal who died of a drug overdose and a heart condition 
and just happened to be lying on the ground, lying to the police, saying he can't breathe for over nine minutes. He also represented Brianna Taylor, you know, the woman aiding and abetting her drug-dealing boyfriend who happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when gunplay was happening in her apartment where she was harboring a fugitive thug criminal drug-dealing animal. He's representing the Laoyas family. And local pastors, along with Kent County Commissioner Robert Womack and Ben Crump, held a forum discussing the shooting. I would read you the rest of the article, but it's so, so heavily biased against the Grand Rapids Police Department that it's not worth mentioning. They talk about a few other incidents that occurred, and guess what? Every one of those instances was justified. This is the Truth Hurts program. Oh, before I go, stop breaking the law, and you have a far, far less chance of getting shot and killed by police. You honestly think the cops would have shot this guy if he had simply complied with police officers' orders? The Washington Examiner writes, Majority of Americans see Biden's latest border order as a huge mistake. I'm one of them who agrees it's a huge mistake. President Gropey Joe Biden's plan to lift Title 42, the pandemic edict that allowed for blanket expulsion of migrants entering the U.S. at the southern border, lacks support not only from Republicans, but the majority of independents and a significant number of Democrats across the country. The Biden administration announced on April 1st that the CDC would lift the Trump-era order starting May 23rd, allowing millions, up to 6 million so-called asylum seekers who illegally cross our border, trespassing and invading into our nation, many of them drug dealers, mules, human traffickers, gun runners, terrorists, gang members, cartel members, to simply illegally cross. All I have to say is, I'm seeking asylum. I'm seeking asylum, but you got to let me in. And he's picking a bad time to do it. With the seven-day average for coronavirus cases on the rise in the United States, a new Morning Consult Politico poll found that 54% of respondents oppose Biden's decision to lift Title 42. That includes 23% of Democrats polled, 53% of independents, and they won't tell you how many Republicans. It's probably right at 100% opposing Biden's decision. 41% of the respondents in total strongly oppose Biden's decision compared to only 13%, you know, diehard Democrats who strongly support the decision left-wing radicals who somehow think there should be no border. Left-wing activists have described this as a cruel immigration restriction put into place by the orange man. The same poll found that border security and other security concerns ranked as the second most important issue to the 2,000-plus respondents to the poll. Guess what? 47% say they trust Republicans in Congress to properly handle immigration issues, only 36% say they prefer Democrats who are failing miserably at handling our border crisis. A growing number of Democratic politicians have lined up in opposition to the White House on this subject. Democrats in the House and in the Senate have signed on to legislation that would keep Title 42's powers in place until 60 days after Surgeon General Vivek Murthy lifts a pandemic health emergency even if Biden proceeds with his plan to end the order. 
Other lawmakers sought to tie keeping Title 42 in place to a bipartisan COVID-19 funding bill. Yep, they want $10 billion more of your tax dollars. The proposal was scuttled by leadership after the White House came out against it. Here's what Jen Pisaki, the little red circle back girl, said about the issue. Of course, deferring everything. Nothing is ever their doing. Nothing's ever their decision. Why have a Biden administration, by the way? If the Biden administration can't make a decision or stand by their decision and always passes the buck. I thought Biden said the buck stopped with him. Of course, plagiarizing a famous former president who said the same thing. Pisaki said, this is a decision made by the CDC. It's a public health decision. It's not one that should be wrapped up, of course, in politics. And the decision by the CDC is where it belongs as it relates to Title 42. The impact of not getting the aid talking about the additional $10 billion in pandemic funding, would be significant. Right now, these additional resources are urgently needed for our domestic response, including, just to give you a sense of some examples of how it would be best used, booster shots for the general population. And here's one that really surprised me. Jim Pisaki said, monoclonal antibodies and Evasheld for the immunocompromised and maintaining our testing capacity. These are all components that are vital to our continued fight against the pandemic. When asked about the growing bipartisan opposition to Biden's decision, White House officials said the president will always defer to the CDC on decisions around public health directives like Title 42. Pisaki then accused Republicans and Democrats opposed to Biden's decision of failing to propose a viable alternative to rolling back the order. Really? The viable alternative is to build the wall and shut down the border to illegal, invading, trespassing, criminal aliens. Pisaki said during Monday's press briefing, it has been a long-standing open invitation. Any Republican who wants to work with us on immigration reform, you're invited. Let's have a conversation. We've not seen an expression of that interest across the board. We have conversations with Democrats and Republicans all the time, but I think it's clear what we're seeing from Republicans is an effort to politicize this and not fix what we all recognize as an outdated and broken system. Hey, Pisaki, your boss, the mental patient, the dementia patient, he's had 15 months, and you Democrats have had several years to fix this problem. The Department of Homeland Security has estimated that up to 18,000 migrants could be apprehended at the southern border every day the moment Title 42 phases out on May 23rd. But Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas maintains that the administration is capable of handling the massive migrant surge. Sure, they're passing them through. They're putting them on buses, trains, airplanes, and they're sending them to a city or town near you, unchecked, unfettered, unmonitored, and they're handing them free cell phones and nice new tennis shoes, and they're sending them wherever the hell they want to go or wherever the Democrats direct them. That is except for the few busloads that the Texas governor sent directly to the Capitol. The statement was released in conjunction with Biden's Title 42 announcement. It says, quote, We have put in place a comprehensive whole-of-government strategy to manage any potential increase in the number of migrants encountered at the border. We're increasing our capacity to process new arrivals, which means, what's your name? Okay, come on in. Welcome to America. Don't forget to vote Democrat. Any... Uh, let's see, we're increasing our capacity to evaluate asylum requests and quickly remove those who do not qualify for protection. We will increase personnel and resources as needed 
and we've already redeployed more than 600 law enforcement officers to the border. And we're giving them donuts. We're referring smugglers and certain border crossers for criminal prosecution. About seven of them. Over the next two months, we're putting in place additional appropriate COVID-19 protocols, including ramping up our vaccination program. Key words there, of course. They're not vaccinating the illegal, criminal, invading, trespassing immigrants. Are they? Well, of course not. This is all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program as America spirals further and further downward into the abyss thanks to the administration of gropey Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris under the watchful eye of naughty, nasty Nazi Nancy Pelosi and Chuckles the Clown, the feeble old fart in the Senate. Go out there and try to make it a great day, folks. I'll be off for the next three days, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. If I don't get to talk to you again between now and then, may you have a happy and joyful Easter and rejoice in the fact that he, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is risen. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Do you like large pizzas? Real supreme pizzas? Only the whitest ingredients can make the world's whitest pizza. Introducing the White Super Supreme Pizza from Bubba John's Pizzeria. Made with pure white flour, pure white dough, pure white American cheese, and pure white Alfredo sauce. Topped with all of your favorite ingredients. This pie is sure to please. Order online and get a White Super Supreme Pizza for only 10 bucks when you use the promo code WHITEPIZZA. The whitest ingredients make the whitest pizza. Bigger pizza, you betcha. Bubba John's. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are free speech protected by the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics.